When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hello, welcome to the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This is Mike Dawson, the managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine, and my co-host who will be joining us in a few moments is Mike Johnston of MikeFlessons.com. This episode, we talk about the Modern Drummer 2017 Reader's Poll winners. We also discuss what to do with a transcription, how to get the best out of it. Uh, for review, I'm going to talk about the new Evans UV1 drum heads, and then we take a few listener questions, and we always end with our picks of the week, so let's get rolling. What are we at? We're at episode 87. You're episode 87. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we haven't talked in two days, you know. It's so. been almost two full days. It's crazy. Dude, a lot has happened, man. My my little project found a bass player. Mm. Nice. I'm so excited. It's not so like, excited. It's not collapsing upon itself with an extra person now. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is uh it was man, it was like it all came together last night. So Dean, my guitar player, really spent the week like woodshedding on the loop station, really understanding and bringing in effects. So he showed up with 10 times more of a thicker guitar tone than what we've been using. Yeah. Um, reverbs and delays and, and a loop station that you really knew how to time out. Right. And then we also auditioned a bass player and, uh, it, it's a guy named Quentin Garcia that I've played with in the past in, we were the last band we were in was a pop punk band, maybe six years ago. Mm hmm. Where we both were just, we both did the album, we both just filled in, and then we loved the guys so much, had so much fun playing that music. I mean, it's just fun. You know, the whole night. And then, uh, and, and it's like super hooky melody. So we ended up staying in the band for like two or three years. So we hadn't seen each other in like five or six years. And, um, and it was just like, okay, here's the deal. The whole purpose behind this project is nothing other than we have to have fun. Like, Everything we write is for ourselves to have fun. Mm-hmm. We, my goal is that we play our local dive bar called the Shady Lady. There's 90% of the people don't even want us to be playing, but there's one table of musicians <laughs> yeah, yeah. that are digging it. You know, and it's like, <laughs> cool, that's fine by me. So, uh, so yeah, so we, we, we finished off the band. So now we have a three piece band, myself, uh, Dean Vidovich, and Quentin Garcia. So, that, how, so how are you writing this material? That's always a big thing for me is how does a band write material? That's probably what's the most fun so far is the writing. So it can, it can, there is no writer. The three of us are writing equally and it could start 
from anyone. It could be just a guitar riff. It could be a drum groove. In the case of last night, we were playing this song in three. Um, and the pulse of the song was the downbeat of one, the uh of one, and then three. So one e and a two e and three e and one e and a two e and three e and mm. one e and a two e and. And then, uh, so we started playing with that and just growing it. And yeah, it was, I don't know. It's, it's, the writing is happening so fast and so organic mm. and the and i think it's easier to write when you're not trying to be hooky and catchy and we got to be under three minutes we got to please everyone it's like uh we look around the room and if there's smiles it's like yeah let's do that that <laughs> yeah. was fun play until and, you uh, bore yourselves yeah and you know our goal is to write some extremely complex stuff that sounds extremely simple so okay. I, I would say the biggest influence shockingly in this fusion group would be sting um, uh-huh. our, our goal is that musicians can freak out over it and non-musicians can just bob their head. Yeah, that's a you good know. goal. That's what I look for in alternative music as well. Mm, I just want something sure. that's that's got a, a memorable melody but something unpredictable and else yeah. is going on. That's what I look for. That's yeah. okay. So, and I obviously I don't want to get in any trouble by saying anything too negative, but... I'm a fan of fusion, just like you are. I'm a fan of fusion drummers, but I'm not the biggest fan of the music sometimes. Um, It's too complicated. It's not hooky enough for me. I I really do like pop. I like, you know, a good pop tune, but I love it when it's Sting, like, or Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins, when it's got a little more depth than just bubblegum pop. I like the melodies of bubblegum pop. I just wish Manu Kache was playing on it, you know, Um, or Vinny was playing on it. So, so yeah, so that's kind of the goal is to like, well, what if fusion was hooky? What if it was like really fun to listen to as a human, not as a drummer or a musician? Yeah. Um, And then whenever you want to make it into homework, you can, you can turn your brain on and make it into homework, you know? I think there's some bands are kind of doing that. I mean, it seems to be more of there's sure. a bit more listenable. That stuff that the early fusion stuff for me just sounded like they threw a melody on top of some complex music. It was like the last thing that was written. I don't know right. if that's true, but that's what it felt like. It like, felt like it. I agree. Let's write some complex chords and time changes, and then you know, saxophone player writes something that goes over top of this. You know? Right. So that you know, I'm the same way. So I had an opposite experience from you uh, on Tuesday. Okay. Um, I. I did my first, uh, not first, but it was just kind of, I was just amazed at this whole, how the internet has made musicians connect all over the freaking world. Mm-hmm. So sure, there's a guy that I, um, he was one of my, my mentors in college. He's, his name's Darren Dyke. He's an, an awesome composer. His specialty is steel drums. Okay. Like he's a world renowned tuner of steel drums, but he's also a great player and he composes music for that instrument that's just not doesn't sound like calypsos and stuff it's like really yeah, sure. kind of creative and, and adventurous stuff so anyway i haven't talked to him in a couple of years and he just hit me up on facebook he's like hey mike i'm working on a remix project on uh what's that website hit play record oh yeah no that hit collab- record hit record hit record.com yeah yeah, so he's on doing a, a remix for this website. I just need some grooves in 1116. <laughs> you want to you want to do something? No like, way. Sure, what style, what vibe is like I just it just needs to be simple and aggressive. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he, you know, he didn't give me any of the tracks, didn't give me anything, gave me the tempo. He said 1116, 58 and 68. And just do what you do. Just play and just send wow. it over. So I had no idea what it was going to turn out to be. He just sent me like a rough mix of it this morning. I'm like, whoa, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> like, I don't That's know. That's so cool. It fit perfectly. The sound I went for just happened to fit. I mean, 
we just it just kind of it was weird because I had my bebop kit set up and I just decided let me just detune everything so I want to take the 18 inch kick drum down like as low yeah. as it can go I'm going to put a big fat snare drum on the snare I'm going to detune the toms muffle them up so it's a bebop kit treated like an indie rock kit <laughs> okay and then I just put so much compression on it like it was just perfect pumping like crazy yeah it's like he's probably going to hate this he's like perfect great <laughs> that was that is so cool so now, there's a guy loaded anything with it or no I mean, do you know anything about hit record do you know have you seen like what this can turn into well sort of i mean I, a little bit but he's okay. darren's the one who's who's the remixer he just wanted needed some drums so darren sure. and the artist are collaborating and he hit me up just to give him some drums to manipulate and, and right. mess around with so i don't I have no i have no idea what this is or who it's for it's so cool because i mean what's great is let's say that they put this up now once it's up it's free reign for everybody so a graphic designer can make your album cover then mm. somebody might make an animator might make a like a short animation film using your thing as their soundtrack so mm. it gets its own video and then somebody writes poetry to it but they can't sing so a singer takes that poetry and sings over the top of it and it just takes on a life of its own I mean, that's the magic of hit record it's it's the first collaborative place for for artists it's a really amazing thing i mean i've been on board since pretty much day one and sing you know every time somebody comes to camp i'm like okay you have to sit down i'm gonna walk you through this because <laughs> it's a great place to just throw up some of your grooves and just see if people use them you interesting know. yeah i don't know yeah, what it's, it's a really be. cool thing i mean he told me that if i heard the original he, he wouldn't i wouldn't recognize it because he did his thing with it like it's it's like soundscapes and it's really cool uh, but, but i can't it's wait a to song. hear it man yeah so when it's done i'll, I'll make sure to share to share a link in the show but awesome. when he just sent it back to him like is that my, did i do that like did you use my uh, drums or not like i couldn't even really tell i'm like wait a minute i hear that compression so it's definitely there he did all kinds of stuff with it that's layered cool in samples man. it was very cool and i had no idea uh, so it was the first time for me to be like Here's some drums. Um, I guess I'll hear it eventually. You know, whatever yeah. you're, you're going to do with it. That's really cool, man. That's that's really it was cool. Fun. And eleven sixteen is a pain in the butt. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I mean, it's <laughs> so you have five eight, which is already tough, and then you add not an eighth note, you add a sixteenth note. Yeah. So it's you know. So how did you feel it? What would you say it was closest to feel wise? He gave me close? the groupings. It was four three four. Okay. And tempo wise, where I mean, can you it tap was out the 16th, groove on your sixteenth notes? It was dotted quarter at eighty, I think. Okay, so it was like a one e and a one two three one e and a one e and a one two. Oh, okay. So I just kind of played like a slinky. I used seventeen inch hi hats and tried to make it a Steve Jordan if you played Prague. Okay. Yeah, I think the only issue. So so then in that case, it's more like three four minus. Uh, an eighth note almost um or i guess minus so one because you had uh one e and a two e and a three e and one e and a two no. e and a three no one e you and a one e and one e and a one e and a one two three one e and a one oh e and a one. Uh, 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 oh god so getting uh. that second four to resolve like because there's there's no space like there's no stop it just goes straight right. into the it was it was weird it took me a few takes to even get like something in time <laughs> so so let's say you're in that situation right and we both know that if you give me the math four three four 
I can play it exact as is. But as soon as I add in one extra kick or something, I'm going to lose yeah. it. So did you always keep it numeric in your mind, or did you keep doing it until it became a sound of... Yeah, that was the goal, was just to feel just it. sang it. So it okay. became... The first four was whatever was bass drum. So whatever I wanted to do in the first four was bass drum. Do, do, do. Okay. The second... The three was was where the backbeat would hit. Was so the backbeat? One E and a two E and a yeah, so the backbeat would hit on the three, and then the last four was either for a fill or another bass drum or whatever. Or so just I, let the groove resolve, kind of. Yeah, so I just kind of kept. I, I got it. To, I got the flow. That was my goal. Like not that's to so think cool, about man. it anymore. But the first few times, I was like, dang, that's that one is coming a lot faster than. I saw. But don't you think that that's? And I, I don't really have a reference for this statement. But don't you think that's maybe a little bit more close to how world music is, where it's like. I, I don't care what time it's in. This is a sound. I like this sound. Yeah. It Right. Um, I think that's really cool. And it's great that you have a chance to do that, you know? So yeah. Well, was, awesome. You know, that was my first Well, time. I can't wait to hear the result. Please share it with us. You know, whenever he puts it up and, and I mean, it's going to be great to, in our show notes, give people a link to hit record, which they could easily go to right now. But sometimes <laughs> yeah. they just need to be prodded a little bit. Cause it is a wonderful thing. You should just, everyone should check out. I think hit record, um, has been my pick of the week, like three times in the history of this podcast. So, Definitely head over there, check out what Joseph Gordon Levitt is doing for the artistic community, not just the musician community. It's it's really quite something special. And the greatest thing is if anything is sold on Hit Record, whoever was involved in the project, including Mike Dawson, they get paid. Um he cuts Interesting. Joseph Gordon Levin Levitt cuts checks. I think they paid out like eight hundred thousand dollars last year to artists. Um so, so is he the founder or CEO yes. or something? Oh, yep. cool. Him and his brother. Yeah. Um and obviously, he became the face of it because he's a famous actor. So, yeah, um, yeah it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, I've, I've been a fan for a long time of that thing. So, all right, well, let's talk about some education. So, I want to discuss how you can use transcriptions to develop your vocabulary and new concepts. Concepts. So, when you say using transcriptions, you're saying something that's already been transcribed. Or are you talking about you transcribing and then learning from that? Yeah, I think... I think we should establish that you've already got the transcription. Either you bought a book, or you've got okay. Modern Drummer magazine, or you did so a open up Modern Drummer, yourself. and they show me this is how to play Grapevine Fires by Death Cab for Beauty, yeah. and so where do we go with it from here? And Jason actually did this transcription, so we know it's right. Yeah, yeah, right. That is something that I think that's definitely two different subjects, right? Because that to me isn't is reading. First of all, you have to be able to read. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of it's connecting the dots, man. I mean, I remember hearing, literally hearing Grapevine Fires. And I'm like, is that his left foot? And then yeah. when I saw a transcription in Modern Drummer magazine, I was like, oh, it is his left foot. It's connecting the. Oh, okay. But I see now that he's using, you know, like or like maybe the Gad thing in Fifty Ways to Leave Your Lover. I would have never, by listening, guessed that he was left hand on the hi hat. Yeah. Wouldn't have even occurred to me. Yeah, it, if it wasn't for I? the, I think it was the Letterman performance or Saturday Night Live, I never would mm-hmm. have seen it and known what he was doing. No way. Exactly. And, and so transcriptions yeah. really connect those dots from the audio where you're just kind of imagining, you know, I mean, be, um, think about being a kid and we're, we're trying to visualize Neil Peart's kit and, <laughs> yeah. and, and going through, you know, the, the drum break in Tom Sawyer. And I'm like, and I'm like, ah, is that an eight? Uh, you know, it's like, and then when you see the transcription and it lists the, oh, I mean, I think transcriptions are amazing. So like you said, now what do you do with it? Yeah. So what about you? Um, I kind of take 
a systematic approach at first, I think, is probably the okay. first thing I do. Um, and this is in reference in the, the brand new issue of the magazine, the May issue. We have the third part of, Jace, of uh, Steve Fittick's Jazz of Drummers Workshop, which is on Beyond the Noteheads, and part three, varying your transcription. So that's what inspired the topic. Okay. Uh, so I, I kind of studied the same way that he did. So I'm just basically going to steal his ideas and share them because it's the same thing that I would do. Sure. Uh, so he, the first thing he does is you play the groove backwards. So, Wait, what? so beat. So literally start on beat four of the last measure of your transcription and just okay. play the whole thing backwards. So not in reverse necessarily, but making beat four the new beat one. Exactly. Beat one is beat two. Beat two is beat three. Yep. So you're just like Got cutting it. off beat four and putting it on beat one. Got no, it. actually, okay. no. That's not it. You, you're Let's, playing it. You're flipping it upside down, essentially. Okay. All right. So B four becomes you, one, three becomes okay. two, two becomes three, one becomes right. four. But you're not literally playing the last note as the first note and going in reverse. You're not putting the transcription in the mirror and playing no, the no. notes. All okay. of beat four becomes beat one. Got it. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. So that kind of gives you like a whole world of things that don't sound anything like the original. No, and I mean that's really the the crux <clears> of the permutations <throat> section of groove. Uh, of future sound, sorry. Right. Um, that's kind of what's happening. It's like, oh man, if I just shifted this whole groove over one eighth note, it's not the same groove. Because we do beat this placement where we shift the kick and the sn- maybe the kick and maybe the snare, but the hi hat stays the same. But when you shift everything mm-hmm. and it's a syncopated groove already, it becomes something very different. Yeah. So that's one thing I, I've done a lot. Another thing is to go even smaller than that and take each each beat and just randomly mix them up. Okay. So you could just scramble it so beat beat one and three can become two and four and or you can repeat one beat two or three times. That's more like the Jojo Mayer kind of uh, drum and bass producer type thing. Totally. So you can yep. kinda get cool yeah. cool uh, phrases by just repeating beat three like three times in a row or something. Um what else do I kinda do? Um and then from there, once I kind of like dissect it then i focus on a, what is the what's the cool bit that i like the most right and then i kind of go in a more ab- abstract way so let me just focus on that cool bit and just keep playing it over and over again and trying different orchestrations different subdivisions different styles different whatever i can come up with until it eventually morphs into something that's not you would never know that i got it from the original that's my goal that's that's the goal right yeah i mean yeah. for all of us I, or at least i think it is and and that's one thing that i want today's artists especially drummers to understand with all the drum covers that are out there and all that kind of stuff to me when when i see a great great drum cover i always think cool so you did step one yeah and to them they're like yeah no it's a finished product i'm like oh no no that's step one you learned the part (laughs) but that was already done for you that's plagiarism somebody already made all of that art and you just copied it. that's an impression that's what i when i do those things i think i'm I'm doing an impression i'm doing a chad smith impression i'm doing right this guy's impression but you know what man it's hard to say because there's this it depends on who you're one i've never seen you do a full out drum cover video it's always been with the caveat hey i'm working on bringing in some more Stuart copeland into my drumming and this is the only way i can do it i'm in a fellowship with his style yeah but it, it always still had some dawson to it and that's what i want my students to get it's like cool you have the vocabulary you have all the chops you'll ever need you have more grooves than i can play i don't hear you yet i don't know who you are Mm -hmm. um and that is where steve gad benny greb uh for sure steve jordan uh, those guys stick out because it's like no i I just 
you put Benny Greb on a SpongeBob kit, and I can tell you it's Benny Greb. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it happened. Well, <laughs> I think it on that YouTube. I think that goes goes hand in hand with if you get so obsessed with the details of um, really analyzing someone else's playing. Like for for me, I think a perfect example is Tony Williams. Okay, like he he represents the ultimate studious nerd drummer so when he was a kid he knew every max roach note every Philly joe jones note he knew every saxophone note like he was that much of a nerd and i think it's that attention to detail and and perfection that then when you go to do your own thing it's kind of it kind of morphs naturally i think in a way like tony became yeah, his own <sighs> thing because he was so dedicated to just mastering the instrument Right. And then all like a little bit of Philly Joe, a little bit of Max Roach, a little bit of this, a little bit, of, a little bit of Roy Haynes, and all of a sudden he's got. Well, I don't think it's like one day he said I'm going to play something different. No, it it's your drumming happened. gene pool, right? It's your DNA. And yeah. so when I watch, if I make a, a vi- I, I made an Instagram video last night at midnight with my boys. I can still see Phil Collins in there. I can see Abe Cunningham right. in there. I, I I see my drumming DNA, but at some point. As a human and as a musician, you have to become your own person. And that's what I love is when I see somebody play. Like when I watch J.P. Bouvet play, if you know J.P., his personality is his drumming. Mm-hmm. He has as much patience as anyone I've ever seen, but he can be as bombastic and as creative as any artist I've ever seen. But that's who he is as a person. If you said, J.P., we're just going to sit in this living room, Indian leg style, uh, for the next six hours, he'd be fine with it. But if you also said, we're going to climb a mountain and skydive off it, he'd be <laughs> fine with that. So I can hear that in his drumming. Same with Matt Halpern and same with, you know. And I think that right now, that's that next level. I was just talking to a student recently, and I was telling her, she's like, what's the next step? I just went to Benny Greb's camp. I've been to four of your camps. And I said, the next step is stop collecting vocabulary. You yeah. have it. You have Focus every note yeah. that could ever be used. I don't know who you are yet. And and I told her too, like, by the way, that is the scariest thing imaginable. Because when there's when there's a page of notes in front of me, all I have to do is learn it. It's already there. Yeah. But then when somebody says, What would you do with this? How are you gonna make it you? It's like, oh, well, that seems like it's gonna take some <laughs> it's almost scary. It's like, oh, I have to look inward for that. Yeah, you know, and I, I still, don't know if I, I want to do that, you I, know? I, I kind of think again that 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 happens naturally once you once you stop referencing someone else. Like Exactly. It's well, just that's gonna, the thing. If someone said just just play what you feel then and if if you don't immediately say, well what would Steve Gadd play or what would Dave Weckl say play, you're going to play something. It might actually be a Steve Gadd thing, but it came from you and you didn't have a, a deliberate you weren't like mm-hmm. plugging in idea A into this song and Right. So I think that's I think that kind of for me to kind of get rid of the anxiety of all well, who am I? I think it's you're you already are you <laughs> you know it's just yeah. kind of like getting out of your well, own you way. have to accept it that's the yeah. problem is it's like well I don't want to be me I want to be Steve Gadd and it's like yeah. no, no no you're you're fine like and you'll always have that you'll never shed that now no. I want to say the opposite side of that which bothers me more with the drum cover thing is when I can tell someone hasn't studied the original and they're just getting off like just wailing on the drums and and trying to show off using the song as a reason to get extra views or I don't know what the what the reasoning is but yeah. they end up just no. drum soloing over a song I'm like yeah but you didn't learn you didn't learn the original you just went straight right. into jamming over it like as a right. backing track and you just use their name it's like okay yeah like that's where I'm like eh yeah. now you I don't think that's what Omar time. did you know with Madonna <laughs> on this track like 
you're doing yeah. you know ray of light and but just blazing the whole thing I, mean, I think so, everyone's free to do whatever they want but that if i was someone's teacher and they sent me a cover and they're just soul went over like i could tell they just didn't spend time with that song like yeah, you just no, went I, straight I in the soul and i'm like that's cool you know that's one thing but do you really know every nuance of the original track before you did that right. where's your reference what did you yeah what are you building off of uh, well, so, and it, I think like you said, it starts with transcriptions. It starts with seeing the original part and then thinking, okay, first I have to get this down. Um, and you can't be paralyzed by perfection because you'll never get it to that Steve Gad level because you're not Steve or whatever, whoever's transcription you're looking at. But you get it down. You really care about it. You listen to the song. You make a groove. And then to me, that transcription is now the template for my new groove environment. Now... I'm going to sit in this environment and start to explore it a little. I'm not going to go so outside the box that you can't even tell where I came from, or but I, I you know, but I'm going to start to explore it a little bit through the things that Mark talks about in his books. You know, I'm going to check. I'm going to change the rate. I'm going to change the orchestration. I'm going to change the dynamics. I'm going to pop one note that was ghosted. I'm going to ghost yeah. one note that was accented. Um, God, I mean, just that alone. Like if you take an inverted paradiddle and accent the downbeats. And then just drop out four as an accent. One, two, three, four. Now drop it out. Yeah. It's a whole new groove. Yeah. And so with transcriptions, you can do the same thing. So guys, dig into some transcriptions. There are some fantastic books out there of you know full bands, but you can also just see them almost almost monthly in Modern Drummer. That's where I definitely picked up most of my transcription ideas. So check it out. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA plus and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Well, now it's time to get into our featured artists. <laughs> artists. Our featured artists. And that is the people that won the 2017 Modern Drummer Reader's Poll. Yeah, it's a big old... So, yeah, this is this is fresh off the... Well, I guess it'll be a week by the time this goes live. But, yeah, this is our annual Reader's Poll. And... Um, so I guess we could just kind of go through and just just talk about who won. Yeah, bring it. So, so Hall of Fame this year, Peter Erskine inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well deserved. Well deserved. Well deserved. So he's, Absolutely. He's a. I mean the the past Hall of Fame winners goes back to 1979. Who do you think the first winner was? In 79, yeah. had to be Buddy Rich, right? Nope. What? Nope. Gene Krupa. Gene Krupa. 1979. Right. Not bad. Buddy Rich is oh. number two. Number three is. Louis Belson? Nope. Louis Belson uh, is not till 1985. Okay, then uh, Tony Williams, Elvin Jones, Max Roach. Nope. Damn. Tommy I Lee. Think, <laughs> I think he actually, I don't know what year he died. He might have died in 1980. Okay. John Bonham. Ah, nice. Nice. Yeah, so the, the first three is Gene Krupa, Buddy Rich, and John Bonham. Wow, and now, that's now so cool. Peter Erskine joins the ranks, so... That's, That's awesome, man. You imagine? You know, it's, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> tough, though, because when you think of Hall of Fame, it's like some of these guys are so active, they're totally valid in five other categories. Yeah, yeah. They're on four albums, they did 20 clinics, and they released a book. Yep. And it's like, uh, well, you're not, you know, like Peter's on fire right now. Yeah, no, um, I mean, it just doesn't, I don't think the Hall of Fame 
for us to note someone's career is over. It's just no, not at all. They just gotten to a point where like they're just so ubiquitous, <laughs> you know. That yeah, they just they're he's in a special realm all to his own. Yeah, uh, I agree. Okay, so MVP. This is a trifecta winner. MVP rock and educational product goes to Mr. Steve Smith. Whoa, three. So he's the most valuable player. He won the rock category because of his journey. journey, And then his new book, uh, Pathways of Motion, book DVD. Three of them. That's awesome. Holy mackerel. Three and one. That that takes up that. (laughs) So you send him three plaques or do you put? He gets three plaques. Oh, that's awesome. And Steve was actually inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2002. Jeez Louise. Yeah. So you know what's guys. funny is I, I was uh, going through your website today and I was going through the past educator winners mm-hmm. and it's it's crazy. It's like some of them I'm like, wow, that guy won way back then. He seems so new to me, but mm. I guess, yeah, he's been killing it for a while. And then other guys I was like, wow, I thought that guy was kind of dumb, but he won in 2014. He was out <laughs> yeah. on the scene just killing it or whatever year it was, you know, so um, – <laughs> Yeah, looking at those lists, it's awesome. Okay, so Steve won most of the categories. <laughs> he won three. Uh, Prague was Mike Mangini. Nice. I think I think Dream Theater is is going to forever own every Prague award yeah. until they quit. Uh, but Mike's amazing. He definitely deserves it. Uh, our boy Ash won the studio category. That was so cool, man. <laughs> so cool. Like, I mean, just think about a year ago. One year ago, no one in America, no one in America had any idea who he was. And thanks to social media, yeah, boom, they're like, "Oh yeah, 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 Ash, he's the studio guy." And it's like <laughs> he is, but he's been that guy for like decades. Oh, I'm so stoked for him. That's yeah, really cool. So it's been 30 years since a British drummer won the studio category. Did you let him know that? Oh yeah, he knew it. Actually, oh. he's the one that mentioned it to me. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Hey, I've been I've been watching for 30 years and." Uh, I've never seen a Brit, so we make records over here too. You know, <laughs> yeah. Hey, everything you do, we did it first. So enjoy your language, America. Yeah, Simon Phillips was the last person to win that category. I mean, that category has been owned by Kenny Aronoff, Vinnie Coyuta, Josh Fries, Josh Fries, Matt Chamberlain. Matt Chamberlain. I mean, it's been just owned <laughs> by those guys. Yeah, because they own that category. Yeah. That's so cool, man. I'm really stoked for Ash. Uh, jazz and recorded performance audio is Mark Juliana. Big year, big year for Mark with the uh, David Bowie record, David Douglas record, and his own book came out. Yeah, it's definitely a big, big year for him. Congrats, Mark! That's huge. Um, alternative, your boy Abe Cunningham. Nice. Deftones, man, they don't quit. They don't. <laughs> it's <laughs> so awesome. They just keep on going and still killing it, man. It's not like the thing where. Okay, I guess we'll go play in Tokyo because no one cares anymore or yeah. whatever. I mean, they're they're still killing it. Like, I look at some of the festivals they headline, and <clears throat> it's like the biggest bands of right now, and they're still the headliner. So yeah, yeah. they kind of pushed through that dark era of modern rock when everything yep. got kind of like eyeliner and everything. All yeah. that that whole scene, you know. But they just the thing kept is, going. like, if you look at them from Adrenaline, the first album, to their newest album, they've been the Deftones the whole time, but mm-hmm. still evolving. But they never followed trends, so it's kind of like they don't have that era of their band where they're embarrassed by themselves. Yeah, right. You know, it's like they've just been badass since day one. I, yeah. I love it. That's great. Metal, metal is Jay Weinberg uh, oh, Max, from Slipknot. Yeah, Max Weinberg's son winning the metal category. That's so awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. 
That's another another cool gig for him. Uh, up and coming is Chris Turner. Of Chris the Turner. Oceans 8 Alaska, which is not a band that I am personally all that familiar with. Um, they're a UK band. Uh, Clearly somebody is if they won, the, if you uh, won. You got enough yeah, votes. Tech metal band, so congrats to Chris. That's awesome. Fusion, JoJo, he's he's like the, you know, the, the Vinny Cayuta of now for that category. Sure. <laughs> he owns it. Yeah. Um, and Nerve is putting out a new record soon. Oh, cool. I think Very it's coming cool. out in a couple of weeks, like a full-length album. Yeah, and not only does he own Fusion, he he creates Fusion. He creates what the, what we consider to be modern Fusion. Um, he's always pushing the boundaries. I mean, I think people think still, unless they're keeping up, they're like, oh, Jojo Mayer, that drum and bass thing? And it's like, uh, you haven't heard Nerve in a while. It's not <laughs> yeah. a drum and bass thing. It's so next level. Yeah, I mean, does anybody play drum and bass anymore? I don't know. I, I don't guess, know. I don't know either. Uh, country category, Jim Riley, back on top. Owning Beautiful. It. I think he's won it six times or so at this point. So congrats to Jim. He had a big year, too, with his his book coming out. Yeah. And he's been doing drum camps at his, his house, which is cool. And Rascal Flats, man, they're still killing it. <clears throat> he actually won the country category five times in a row, 2011 to 2015. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Pop and R&B, Josh Dunn. Nice. Uh, 21 Pilots. So funny thing with, with his fans, they broke our website. He has so many fans that the first day the oh, poll opened, my gosh, they broke the website. <laughs> they were, wow, he had so many votes. I mean, it was like <laughs> it wasn't funny. It wasn't even like whoa, who who else is in this category? <laughs> oh my gosh! And didn't we? Didn't I? Either myself or you? Didn't we train wreck his name when we covered him? Josh Dunn. I yeah, don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure. I call him Rob Dunn. Oh, yeah, I'm pretty remember. sure we got ripped on Twitter for that. <laughs> well, either way, we know him now. Yep, congratulations to Josh. Clinician educator is Thomas Lang. Beautiful. Well-deserved. Well-deserved. And then recorded performance video. Uh, if Rush pushed something out, it always wins. So Rush R40 Live won the recorded performance video category. Nice. Very nice. That's well, awesome. Well, congrats to all the winners for sure. And uh, it's a really, really cool thing, man. So... And my mom will, has my plaque. <laughs> <laughs> You're not like office. eating sushi off it every day or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I usually just wear it with a gold chain. <laughs> it's like my Super Bowl ring. <laughs> uh, oh, so in man. the show notes, we're going to have a link to the the page on our website where you can see the entire history of the Reader's Poll and see you know, everyone yeah. that's ever won. So if you have any questions of like, why isn't Vinny nominated this year, well... Yeah. Just take a look you'll at like see. 1990 through 2004 and you'll see him winning every freaking every. time. Every. <laughs> yeah. Multiple categories. Doing Multiple the Steve categories Smith every yeah. single time. Studio fusion every single time. Yeah, that, I mean that 1990 through 2004, that's like playing basketball at the same era as Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's like exactly. <laughs> happy to make it to the finals. <laughs> but that's about all I'm going to get. Uh, awesome. Well, uh Huge congrats to everybody, to all the winners, to all the nominees, and huge congrats to, or just huge thanks to Modern Drummer for doing that. It's a lot of work to do any kind of poll on that level, especially when you're dealing with artists that have massive, massive fan bases. So Yeah, and it's all, uh, I mean, again, it's it's all reader voting. We did not determine who right. won. So that's that's always kind of a confusion. Like, how did you guys give this guy the award? Well, 
or not give this guy the awards. Like uh, we right, didn't, just, you did. Yeah. <laughs> like we had yeah. nothing to do with it. You needed to you need to log in from every computer at Best Buy. Hope. <laughs> oh, awesome. All right. Well, let's get into some some gear review. So this time you've talked about this in the past. This has been your pick of the week of the past. Yep. And this time we are checking out the Evans UV1 drum heads. I yep. loved the video you made i loved hearing a snare drum with the stock head that came on the drum yep and then actually hearing okay i just swapped out the heads mm-hmm. um so even though you've talked about it in the past a little bit now that you've really spent some time give us your impression on the evans uv1 heads okay so uh, just to recap what it is it's they're coating the head differently they're using a silk screening process rather than spraying the coating on so that okay. And then they're curing it with ultraviolet light. So that's all that whole all that process is supposed to make it stronger, more durable, um, and I think it, it just kind of gives it a little bit more density. So okay. the head, the sound of these heads is definitely punchier than your standard single ply coated, but okay. not so extreme to make it sound like a not a single ply head. Uh, now, when you say it's supposed to make it a little bit stronger, do you just mean the bonding between the coating and the mylar, or do you mean the actual head is also maybe the, more dent resistant? The coating, the coating is, okay. is got it is harder. It's not going to wear harder. off. Yeah, it's not. Much. It didn't scrape off. It didn't wear off at all when I tested it. I had some guys send me photos of of their UV one starting to wear out, but after like months of use, it was starting to wow. wear out. Okay. Uh, so, it, I mean, I think it's a it's a it's a really cool addition to the to the category of single ply coated head, but maybe you're just blowing through your coated ambassadors really fast, and you or your coated G ones, and right. this gives you a little bit punchier sound. I didn't feel a need to muffle it really at all, um, and it just had a like a modern sound. Like sometimes a single ply coated can sound kind of vintagey, you know, because it's sure. got a lot of overtone and stuff. This seemed to have more like a modern contemporary take on that. So much so that at one of the gigs, I had the drums tuned low, and they were still projecting really nice. And at one of the set breaks, I realized that like half of the tuning rods, rods had detuned on the floor tom, and okay. it still sounded awesome. Really? Like it just it sounded wow. great that low. Like it just sounded really didn't sound papery or anything like that. Now, did you get a chance to test it with brushes? Like, how is the coating? Mm-hmm. On? Yeah, it's great for brushes because it's okay. it's um it's more consistent. So that the, the brushes don't grab in any they don't spots. Catch. Yeah, there's okay. no, no catch. It it just felt more consistent, which was really cool. Uh, I don't really do a cool. ton of brush playing, but I did make right. sure to, to try yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, so I think it's a great a great new product. Um, I know a lot of their artists are using it. We can drop in. I don't know. Will the audio make any sense if we drop it in? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just. I think it'd be helpful. I mean, I, I watched your whole video, and obviously it's not much to see. It's like, that's a drum head. Yeah. Um, so I listened to it, and, and I was listening for the... Th- I was listening for what do I think is different about these compared to a single-ply coated head. Yeah. And there was more depth to it, but yet, especially on the snare, you still got quite a bit of overtone. So it wasn't like putting that Evans you know, uh, whatever that extra dry head is yeah. with all the holes. It wasn't like that at all, but this actually had a lot of life to it, but it yeah. didn't sound papery. Like you said that like a, cause you didn't have it bop tuned or anything. I mean, this was like normal tuning. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, let's, let's give it a listen real quick. All right.
Yeah, I mean that sounds awesome. And I mean, like you played it with brushes in the yeah. in the demo, and, and you can really hear it just it's smooth because when you get uh, that brand new coated head, it's like uh, it's That's like almost too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like okie dokie. Uh, so that that sounded smooth. That sounded honestly like you'd had that head for a few months. That you know that might be that's a good way to describe it. It kind of has that like it's already set in for a couple days right out of the box. You know that that kind of at home feeling right away. I really liked it. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm still very curious. We talked about this when it was your pick of the week, but I'm curious to see if at some point this becomes the the stock way they coat all their heads. If it's like if it lasts longer and it sounds a little better. I'm wondering if this is eventually it's not the UV one. It's just called an Evans drum head. Yeah, know? exactly. Um, so, and I'm also curious to see, will anybody, uh, Remo or Aquarian take a look at this process and think, is this a better way to do something that we've just taken for granted for a very long time? Yeah, it is. It's, so. it's, it's an interesting, uh, industry where changes are made incrementally in drum head technology. <laughs> incrementally. Uh, yeah. The last change was we stopped using animal skin. <laughs> And there hasn't been much since. So, uh, That's not I mean, true. you know what's, no, I mean, there's been, you know what's, but think about it like this there's been tons of innovation, but for the most part, most people don't use the innovation. They use the standard. Yeah. Um, I mean, single ply head or yeah, a double ply head. It's like a coded ambassador is going is probably paying everybody's mortgage at Remo. Just a coded ambassador, 14 yeah. inch coded ambassador. Totally. I mean, I, I look at like some of the heads that Aquarium makes. They make, I mean, they, they really make every, flavor in the in the ice cream shop i don't use any of them um you know i think the super kick is probably their best seller uh because it just gives you that kick drum sound but i don't use that i use the force one which is more like a p3 it's just a single ply head with another muffling ring um and then i use i'm using super two coated so two ply texture coated so yeah um sometimes people get it right early on you know (laughs) Well, Every in time future, I see uh, a new sh- Go ahead. I was saying in a future episode, because I'm just testing them out now, I got the new Remo Classic Fits okay. and the uh, P3 Felt Tone heads. Mm. So those are their two new things this year. Cool. The, the Classic Fit is for vintage drums or drums with a real thick wrap that kind of the heads fit funky yep. on. And then the Felt Tone has a felt strip in it, which is kind of neat. So we'll, I'm, we'll cover that. I guess what I'm <laughs> curious about is when do we get to the point that you personally as the guy that reviews all this stuff that you actually replace your heads you go no i'm not doing single ply ambassadors anymore like when mm. does a head blow you away so much that you replace the heads on your actual playing mike dawson pref- you know preference kit so we'll that's see that's interesting i mean cuz isn't that what matters it's not like i mean other, everything else is a gimmick in a way because it's like oh that's so cool that that exists i'm not going to use it but i'm glad you guys have it you know i, I I can't answer that question because I, I I own several drum kits and they all had different heads on it for different sounds. So it's sure. I can't say that one like a like a vintage ambassador doesn't work on some drums and it works on some and it sounds perfect on some other drums. Right. Well, uh, let me let me ask you this. Let's say just just so that we can keep it simple. If we're talking about Remo, obviously use ambassadors. Then, if you're going for a rock sound, would you go pinstripes or you just go coated emperors or clear emperors? Clear emperors for modern rock. That seems okay. to be my ideal choice for modern rock because it gives for me a little that bit don't more know, snap. Yeah, it's a two ply clear head. Yeah, that gives cool. me more of a snappy sound. I actually use that on the kit that I record, and whenever something comes in, it's modern rock. That's the kit I grab. It has clear emperors on it. Okay. Well, 
We'll see. We'll see if, if someday you've got a. <laughs> well, the UV ones are living on my gigging kit. I okay, mean, well, there you go. There, they're just living cool. there. Awesome. All right, guys. So check out the Evans UV one at your local drum shop. If they don't have it, ask for it. That's how this stuff works. You got to ask for it, and then they will get it. Let's get to some new listener questions. All right. So what the hell was this that one... announcer voice. Hey, <laughs> two. <laughs> Welcome to ABC News. I'm Tom Rivers. All right, go for it. <laughs> this one's from Dan. It actually relates to exactly what we were, one of our topics. So um, do you guys think, he's talking about Reader's Poll. Okay. Um, so he says, um, I saw that a lot of my favorite drummers are asking people to vote for them in the poll, despite the fact in the past I've heard almost all of them talk about how music and art cannot be considered a competition about who or what is better and how everything is subjective. So do you guys think this comes across as contradictory when they ask for votes and endorse the notion about who is best, or am I missing, am I missing something about the point and the purpose of the reader's poll? It's a juicy I, question. I definitely have an opinion on this. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think it'll get me in trouble, but it's as somebody that's been – I think we have two perspectives because you work for the magazine, and I'm somebody that's been in the poll for the last four or five years in the educator uh, clinician category – and I think I was even in the category of up and coming like a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. So I, my opinion is that I do wish that there was a way to eliminate social media from this because there is kind of a thing that I don't want to campaign for myself. Uh, I yeah. think that myself, especially the year that myself, Matt Halpern, and JP Bouvet were all in the clinician category together. Right. It's like, well, I definitely don't want to be like, don't vote for my you know, closest <laughs> friends. Um, I think there's a tasteful way to do it. And the way that myself, um, Mark, Ash have handled it, and Matt and JP, we mention it once and we leave it at that. It's like, hey, it's you mention it as, I'm very honored to be nominated. If you care to vote, I'm here. But when you start campaigning for it, then it becomes a social media numbers game. And I don't think that's fair. Like when I look at the educator category, there's, I mean, Thomas Lang doesn't really apply. He's got a a great social media following, but there's sometimes guys that they don't really have a huge social media following. So I can win it pretty easy. I could just send out, you know, five emails in a row and then I win the category. That's not, that to me isn't a real reader's poll, right? So I don't know how you make it less about who has the biggest following, um, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. It's I mean, not an easy thing. And that, that, that social media thing is what's bringing attention to Modern Drummer in the first place. So yeah. you don't want to lose that. It ultimately is a popularity contest. It's just what it is. I mean, right. whether or not. And like you not, said, I mean, you're not the ones sitting around a round table going, we have decided that the best pop drummer is. Yeah. No. Right? Yeah. So it's it's not like the voice where you're turning your chair around and going, yeah, you. <laughs> um, I mean, we, so, hope, we hope that it's I mean, it's called a reader's poll, so that's why at least the names that we initially nominate are names that had to have appeared in the magazine in that given year because they need to have read about them in Modern Drummer in order to be part of the reader's poll. We right. don't open it up to just drummers around the world poll because then it would be – it would just be a fiasco because you would have people who sure. – people who have a million subscribers online who don't really contribute to drumming in any constructive way right. winning everything. So that – so we're kind of – both sides of the of the issue you know like yeah. Josh Dunn is in a very popular band so their fan club just gathered together and voted for him and I mean that's right. that's part of it I mean we can't and I could totally see that happening with uh, Shannon Leto 
you know, the 30 yeah. Seconds to Mars fan club is insane. I could right. see two million votes coming in for Shannon when a new 30 Seconds to Mars album comes out. I can tell you this from talking to the other artists that have been nominated and speaking from my own personal experience. The nomination, I'm not trying to get all Susan Lucci, like it's just an honor <laughs> to be nominated, but the nomination comes from you guys. So we as artists feel like, man, that's really cool that they consider me to be in the club. Right. You know, right. Um, for Ash to be like, thank you. Thanks for just knowing that I do this. Right. <laughs> then the winning, it's like, well, the winning is just, you know, like I said, you, you can kind of make that happen depending on your social media following. But the, the nomination, it's really, when you win, you get a plaque. Awesome. Yeah. But it, when you get the nomination, it's like, oh, my God, Mike Johnston, Thomas <laughs> Lang, Steve Smith. I'm like, holy crap, this is so cool. <laughs> right. So that's that to me is where it's at. And from the other artists I've talked to, they feel the same way. Yeah. So hopefully that sort of answered it. Um, <laughs> Ed Domer, I just had a comment. We, we should probably do an Essential Grooves feature part two. Okay. Because we barely covered anything in that you rant. You barely can. Yeah. <laughs> Central grooves could be a lifetime study. <laughs> but he he made a good point, and we probably should have mentioned the train beat should be a, an essential Ooh. groove for everyone. You, you know really what? Can. That is definitely one that's not. When we talked about the bossa nova, that's like kind of a rare thing. It's pretty rare that you're going hit to a, hit a set list that doesn't have some sort of a train beat. Yeah, especially you know? with the current like alt-country scene playing a lot more of that old throwback stuff and would you consider Kickstart My Heart to be a train beat? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, would. it's like a rock. That's a power, yeah. power train beat. That's an Amtrak <laughs> beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's just like, that's a full Amtrak beat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely an essential groove. So we, we'll do that again. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Okay, next one from Kyle. This is, um, I guess it's geared towards me. We can both comment. So Okay. He says... Uh, You've referenced your experience in graduate school quite a bit, and I was wondering if you think you would be where you are now if you didn't pursue a master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and the follow-up later in his email, he says, In my heart, the true reason, because he's considering going back to school. Okay. In my heart, the true reason, true reason I want to go back is so I have time to woodshed and come out a better drummer and then possibly be able to join a touring group and receive some session work. So if my true reason is the latter, do you think graduate school will be worth the price if I don't receive a graduate position to help pay for the school? I say, first question, I would I be where I am now if I didn't pursue a master's degree? I don't know because I pursued a master's degree. I have no idea. <clears throat> I do know that I actually got this gig because I was in graduate school and took a class with the former senior editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. That opened the door for me to show that I had skills in that that world. I don't think I would have ever thought to just send a resume randomly to Modern Drummer and ask for a job. Right. That never would have crossed my mind. So, so, so your graduate school gave you an opportunity for networking without yeah. even knowing it. You weren't doing it for that, but it did it, happen. It created a connection that I never would have created for myself. And I think that is the power of, of secondary education is you're going to be intermingling with professionals, like world-class professionals. And if you can... If you can level up with them, they're going to remember you, and you never know. I mean, there's guys who've gotten. I think, 
I think Nate Smith got the gig with Dave Holland because Dave Holland did a guest performance at VCU down in Richmond, and Nate was okay. a student there. Oh, wow. So he became Dave Holland's drummer via a guest appearance by Dave Holland. Yeah. So those are the opportunities that like he just seized on it, and, and yeah. I'm pretty sure that's accurate. So that's the first part of that, <laughs> Love that, that. question. That's a great quote. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure that's accurate. <laughs> Mike and Mike podcast. So would I be where I am if I didn't pursue a master's degree? Probably not. Okay. Um, now, if you say that your reason you want to go back to school is so you can woodshed, uh, do not go to graduate school because I practiced less in graduate school than I did at any other time in my life because there's so many other demands. I mean, I was practicing piano for three or four hours a day, maybe 35, 40 minutes of drums. So I don't think, if you think you're going to go to graduate school and have eight hours a day to just play drums, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely <Right. laughs> not. So, no, I would say no. Don't. Right. If that's your only objective, then I would say go somewhere, take some lessons with someone who you want to emulate their career, and just practice. Save up enough money to where you can just dedicate all day to just practicing. Beautiful. That I think you covered it. Sounds good. All right. Good luck. <laughs> I mean, we can't. It's funny because everyone's life is just going to go in different directions. Going to go where it goes, man. Um, you know, I can't. I, I don't believe in fate, but I also don't believe in you can really dictate your life in such a deliberate way. Things just happen. Yeah, you know? I was going to be a jazz drummer, and I haven't played jazz in thirteen years. So, you yeah, know, things just I, happen. I gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, Ralph. Um, so his question has to do with subbing in a band that he desperately wants to be a part of. So he's, okay. he says, I'm the only sub drummer for this group, um, but he only gets maybe four calls a year. Every time I finish a gig, um, several people in the band tell him how great it felt, and uh, but it never goes any further than that. So uh, he says, I've made it pretty clear to the leader how much I would love to be in the group, but is there anything else I could do tactfully to perhaps make this a permanent reality? Ralph's in the friend zone. She wants to. She wants to like <laughs> hang out with you, but you got to go home at night. You can't stay at her place. Ralph, oh, I never even thought of it like that. Oh, it's a total friend zone. It's like, dude, yeah. it felt great. Oh no, you're not in our band. No, no, no. You're you're four times a year, homie. Um, yeah, that's that's tough uh, <laughs> because you don't. You don't want to obviously upset the drummer whose gig it is. That's the whole reason you're subbing is because this drummer trusts you apparently yeah. um, and, and feels okay with you subbing for the gig. It, you just have to know that those types of things, they will open doors for you. That's all I can say with that yeah. is it might be that someone in that band has a side project that becomes the dream band you've always wanted to be in. Uh, so just keep being overly professional um, yeah. and that's the key. Uh, yeah, what, I think what's going to happen? I think it's highly unlikely that any established band will bring in a new drummer just because they might play a little bit better. No, it's not going to happen. There has to be a reason. Break up the family, yeah, that's be know? a reason for them to fire the guy or he quits. Or it's like tenure. Like if you're in a band, you've got tenure, and no one's going to take your gig away unless you do something really crazy. Do we're still a year later dealing with all the drama between Dak Prescott and Tony Romo? Yeah, it's like, we right. gotta put Romo back in. And it's like, yeah, Dak played pretty damn good. <laughs> and it's like, Tony's getting a little old. He gets hurt every time he walks down a flight of stairs. And, and it's like, all right, well, we're gonna send him to the Texans, and then he's gonna, you know. And it's like, holy mackerel. So, and that that whole drama is like, just from Jerry Jones saying, "We'll do right by Tony. He's a leader." 
He's yeah. a leader, and we're going to do right by Tony. And it's like, all right, well, Dak's in there. So, anyways, that that situation is pretty rare. And I would say just be overly professional every time. Good things will come from it. Mm-hmm. Next one is from Dave. Um, I've been playing drums for about 12 years, and in the, in the last three months, he's made uh, some significant changes to my technique. So, okay, I'm trying to switch to heel up on the hi hat from heel down, and also letting my right hand be more of a French grip. I'm playing in a band, and when I practice some of the more technical parts of the older tunes, I notice that I that I've practiced it so much one way that my right hand turns over to American grip. And my left foot goes back to playing heels down. So his question is, do you guys think it is worth opening up the can of worms to relearn these old parts with the new technique? I say no. I say no as well. I, I say, say yeah. the output is what matters. Yeah. Are you getting it? You know, the technique to me is an ergonomic thing that's happening when it's like, I can't physically do what I want to do. But I've seen so many people do it that I know it's very possible something might be in my way. Yeah. I'm going to learn push pull. You know, I, I watch JoJo play sixteenth notes on the ride. I'm going ding da 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 da, but <laughs> right. with one hand, and I'm like, okay, I can't do that with just the half molar up down. And then I look at his hand and I go, oh, he's doing the push pull thing. And mm. if I want that result, I might have to learn that technique. But I wouldn't learn like push pull is a great example. I would never learn push pull because the result of it isn't something I want. Yeah, exactly. And some people would say the same thing about molar. Like the sound of a sure. molar stroke might not be what works for you. Um, my two cents on this is if you're really dedicated to switching your technique, that's for the practice room. Once you start yes. getting on stage and making music, you've got to let your body do what it needs to do to play the music. Eventually, it's Agreed. going to supersede and it's going to replace it. And you're going to be like, oh, look, I'm playing heel up on the hi-hat. I didn't even realize it. Somebody else is the one that usually calls it out. Like I, I'm getting people now that go like, hey, you know, how long or they'll they'll bring up the fact that I let the bass drum breathe. I don't mm. even know where that came from. I mean, I was the bury the beater leader. That's an awesome <laughs> the three words or four words. Bury the beater leader. But I I was like bury the beater. I got a I got a pillow in here. Why do I need to let it breathe? It's silly. And then I think I started playing more of an open bass drum and I started letting it happen. And now just when I hit the bass drum once, it the beater comes off. So, but I'm not it, you know, it's not something I was intentionally doing. I was trying to achieve a result, uh, a sound. So and I, I think, think the yeah. sound is the key. And I think that's a good, that's a perfect example for me. I practice, the beater comes off the head an inch. When I play music, it depends on the room, it depends on the volume, it depends on the drum, it depends on the sound. I might be burying the, the heck out of the beater one day. And I don't think either of us are thinking of it. It's Absolutely like, well, I don't not. know. I was going not for at it. All. Not at Whatever all. Whatever happened, it's, happened. It's a sound. It's a sound that I need to get on that get that given day with that drum yep. and that style i'm with you all right one more sure um <clears throat> this was, comes from jed um can you guys speak about drumming as exercise um, mm. so he's saying if i play my set at home three times a week as practice and then i have two shows over the weekend does that count as exercise or should i still do more well uh let me tell you this there is such thing as drum shape. You could be in great drum shape, and it doesn't mean you're in great physical shape. I know plenty of guys um, that are much faster than me and much more agile on the instrument than me, and they are not in good physical right. shape. Yeah. They're in great drum shape. So I, I consider it the cherry on top of my exercise program. I exercise 
almost every day in a class situation. I take these classes called Fit 36. It's 36 minutes of high intensity interval training. I do that every single day of the week. And then the drumming, if I break a sweat, it's just a cherry on top. But mm-hmm. I never think of it as like, well, there's 15 minutes of cardio. <laughs> now, if you're in a rock band, like if you're doing the Deftones thing, that hour and a half is, I mean, I used to lose quite a bit of weight on the road. I was probably at like a 3,500 to 4,000 calorie a day diet on the mm. road and still losing weight because of how intense that rock thing was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think? I don't, I think it's it's kind of risky to consider drumming exercise because for, for a couple different reasons. One, ultimately when we practice, we want to be as effortless as possible. So you're using up the least amount of energy. You don't want to be playing the drums as if you're running a sprint. Uh, so in so in that effect, you're practicing to remove the effort so you you know so it'll be less and less energy spent. Um, I think if you're not exercising away from the drums, you're gonna it's gonna affect your drumming. You're not yes. you're gonna play better when you're in shape, and you can damage yourself if you're not exercising off the kit. I mean, you're gonna have shoulder problems. You're gonna have back problems if your abs aren't strong. I mean, it's so I would say drumming could actually be more dangerous if you don't supplement it with with physical exercise do you think it would be a good idea to take the modern drummer readers poll winners and do a shirtless calendar is that what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you thomas lang is not in shape because of drumming yeah he's hitting he's hitting the gym yeah he lifted something on the way to work yeah (laughs) he saved a child by lifting a mini cooper and throwing it across the street um awesome well guys hope that helps please keep sending your questions to mdinfo at moderndrummer.com we love receiving them and you can send audio questions as well so it is now time for our picks of the week you want to go first bud sure i got one um i think i might have picked pensado's place uh, a year ago as mm-hmm. a as a youtube channel that has great content for for audio engineering um, a lot of them end up talking about drumming drum processing and drum miking and stuff but they just put a two-part interview up with kenny aronoff oh wow so if you're not familiar with kenny aronoff aside from his resume as a drummer you have to see the guy's energy you have to see him talking with other human beings I and mean, he just gets these guys fired up just sitting next to them yeah. just just talking like really i mean they're just having a conversation no, it's, it's infectious man so you can just see that that is such an important reason for why he's been successful is he comes in just just bubbling with energy i mean he's mm-hmm. just restless so it's a great interview he talks about his career and his experience playing classical music and how that transitioned into rock and roll and how he's maintaining his career now, doing more public speaking, all that kind of stuff. But mo- most importantly, you just need to see the way he talks with people just to get that, like, bring some of that energy to everything you do. You know, if that could, we can only hope to have as much energy as Kenny Aronoff, I think. Yeah. No, I, I, I can. And it's not like agree. false hype, like, I'm, I'm happy, spazzy guy. It's just, you can just, he's just fiery. It's just, yeah, no, there's, the, I would say, uh, Kenny Arnoff and Rich Redman both have that thing. Yeah. They just they couldn't stop if they wanted to, you know. And it shows up on the instrument, shows up in their personality. But uh, yeah, uh, Kenny did. We did a, a clinic together in Seattle, and he was supposed to do like forty five minutes. He was an hour and a half deep into it, and and I was going on after him, and I was like, I'm not telling him like this. Dude. And he was on a roll, <laughs> but you know, it was just interesting because he kind of has that Russ Miller thing where. 
you think you know what he's done until he casually drops something yeah like you know i gotta play at the grammys tomorrow or something and you're like wait what <laughs> yeah. you know or i mean whatever it is and and i also love that he never when he's speaking about it it never comes off of, as he's putting it in your face it just is his life he does yeah. have to fly to experience. go play at the grammys or whatever it is yeah. um, or what's the thing he does every year the, the kennedy um, center honors the kennedy yeah that one ama- i mean that's one of the things he talks about like do you have the focus and dedication and and nerve to play a whole lot of love with with I think he's playing with Sting I don't remember but Led Zeppelin is in the audience watching you play it like because there was Kennedy Center honors Led Zeppelin and you're on stage playing a whole lot of love like do you have the cojones <laughs> to, to handle that he does man he does it's a beautiful thing there's uh, he just has the uh, the now time thing meaning that if it's not that time he's just he's just a dude that kind of plays the drums but when the moment strikes he just he rises to the occasion yeah. he's incredible um so, and yeah so and, the video is um what is it you just just youtube musician kenny arnoff pensado's place which is p-e-n-s-a-d-o apostrophe s episode number 307 and then dig around on that entire channel because there's so much good stuff on there. He's interviewed almost every top producer, engineer, and then he's got a lot of artists and drummers. They're always talking about drum processing and stuff. So it's a great channel. Awesome. Cool. What do you got? Uh, my pick is a two-channel USB interface. It is the M-Audio M-Track 2x2. And the reason why this is my pick is because heading off to Germany um, – Actually, when you guys hear this, I'll have just been getting back from Germany. But uh, <laughs> right. um, and I need to go from my laptop, but I'm I need to hear click because I'm playing along to this Yellow Jacket song that I'd say fifty percent of the song is silence. Mm. It's drums with just these random ensemble hits. Yeah. So I it's one of the tracks that's like I cannot risk doing this without a click. I have to have a click. Um, but obviously, I don't want the audience to have a click. So um, having a USB interface to go out of your laptop. And what I do is I, I just send um, the click to the left, and then the track is just straight up to the to the middle. And then out of the headphone jack, I get everything. I get click and everything. And then I just send the right side out of the back, the because the two by two means two in, two out. I send the right side out to the front of house, and all they get is music. And I mm. get music and click. And the other thing is, because it has it's a two-channel thing, I can then take the um i can take a monitor mix into it from them or i can put in another microphone for me to monitor myself so it works really good um but this new one the m audio m track two by two it's just really slick it's a tiny slick digital looking interface it's 99 bucks on sweetwater and yeah it's and it's got phantom power and it's got like i said headphone out it's got a nice headphone knob um, so you know exactly what you're doing, but it has like the expensive looking big knob in the middle. That's all I can say. <laughs> I don't know how to, it's like the M drive that they use for BMWs. It has that in the middle. Uh, um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it just gives you that feeling of like, cool. And, but, but what I will say is zero line noise whatsoever. It's just a really clean, um, and, and obviously, and then this is also for you guys that have been watching my Instagram channel. When I'm recording my practice pad kit at my house, this I'm just going one um, one microphone into this, and then this into my computer, and that's it. 
Yeah, cool. Hey, so and it has an instrument in, so I could do a. I could bring my iPod into it if I wanted to play along to a track yeah, or something. Right. So did you have yeah. to mix down the track to mono in order to get it to come out of all of it to yes. come out of one side? Yep. Okay. Yep. So and it, and it's just it's not a very stereo heavy track anyways. It doesn't okay. have a lot of left and right stuff, so there's no reason not to. You know, it's just. Straight up. I mean, these are drum tracks, or I mean, clinic tracks. Yeah, um, well, I would assume that whatever they're going to be pumping it through will be mono anyway. It won't be exactly. a stereo PA, but that's so just they're a, probably just going to take a, a DI. Tidbit, you know, because I know I've heard some guys do clinics and they forgot to mono it, and all you yeah. hear is like rhythm guitar. <laughs> like, yeah. Hey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I've got it all on one channel. It's yeah. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think who did that happen to? I think that might have happened to Russ Miller. Um. And he, you know, when you're doing it, you have your in ears. You hear everything. You're not hearing mm. it from the house at all. And it was like this killer. Actually, I think nothing came out. Um, where was that? Anyways, um, I can't remember who it happened to, but I'm sitting in the crowd at this drum festival, and everyone thought it was just the most killer pocket laden drum solo ever. <laughs> and then he started. He got on the mic, and he was like, "That track was produced by my friend." And everyone was like, "What track?" Because we didn't know. It was just a killer drum solo. I was like, man, he's just in these beautiful eight-bar phrases. Keeps hitting the crash on the one. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, this is how all drum solos should be. Um, but he was playing a track. So, yeah, I always, I actually have, um, in, I'll go to, I'll find out in any language, wherever I am, I usually actually have my laptop. Or it has a recording of me, and it says, hey, everybody, this is Mike Johnson. I'm about to play to a track. If you can hear this coming out of the PA, please give me a thumbs up. Uh, so, okay. and like they all give me because I've got my ears in, I can't hear anything. Yeah, or once you can I hear the thumbs up, no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Once I get the thumbs up, then I then the track starts, and I know <laughs> we're good. Uh, so you gotta. Cool. I, I don't want to. I don't want to do that drum solo thing where they're like, "Yeah, he just played a groove in seven for four minutes." Well, <laughs> it was a track, but whatever. So is the right, M everybody? audio oh, M track two by two? Right, that's yes. what you said. Yeah. yeah, looks slick. I just checked it out. Ninety nine bucks. Man, interfaces yeah. have gotten so affordable. Yeah, and, and it's great, man. I mean, it works perfect. It does its job. So for anybody that wanted, or maybe somebody that wants to do like a podcast, same thing. This would be perfect for you. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. all right, everybody. Thank you so much for checking out episode 87. We will be back next week. But until then, if you need anything, you can reach us at mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. My friend, have a great week, buddy. Safe travels. All right, or talk to you soon. Welcome home. I don't know what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Safe travels. Welcome home. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.